Open your Bibles, open your Bibles, please, to the book of John, chapter 1, and I'm going to read there in uh, beginning in verse 1, John chapter 1, verse 1. I want to introduce one of my favorite people in the world. I mean, my wife's my favorite person in the world. Sorry, James, but James Heron is here. He is a missionary with the International Mission Board in Uganda from our church. James, right here, standing up. Wave to the good people, James. So... Sonia, his wife Sonia and their daughter Madison are still in jet lag and they'll be here, Lord willing, next week and, uh, and they'll be back in the States for the next six months. So if you, if, some of you know the story, I guess, but uh, James and Sonia have been in our church for years and then and we've been connected with Uganda on mission trips for a long, long time and James started going on mission trips, started leading the mission trips and then was called by God to become a career missionary. He and his wife sold their home here in O'Fallon, moved all the way to Uganda, and have been serving there for the last many years now. And we are, I love James, and we are so glad you're here. James already heard the message once. You don't need to listen a second. It won't be any better the second time, James. It won't be any better the second time. But I, I just want you to see who he is, because somewhere in the next uh, months, perhaps you'll see him around. I'll have him, I'll interview him and Sonia one of these days as well, but I just wanted you to welcome them. Thanks, thanks so much, James. God bless you, and we're glad you're here for these next months. And I wanted to mention as well, if you're a guest, we're glad you're here. If you're online, uh, fill out the uh, text to connect, and we'll send you some information about our church. If you're here physically uh, today, if you'll fill the connection card out, and then we, we're not taking an offering. You can put it in one of the offering boxes in, by the, in the atrium or the Seven Hill side, or even better, bring it to me back at Connection Point. I'll be at Connection Point after the service. I'd love to meet you. We're, we're, Lord willing, we'll start. Uh, we have life groups now. We have a lot of our adult classes are meeting via Zoom. Some of them are meeting on campus. Some of them doing a little bit of both. And we hope uh, to start life groups for all ages again, all the way across the board. That'll, uh, I'm not, uh, I found out in the last months, I'm not very good at predicting what's going to happen in the future always. So I'm not going to predict it, but we're going to plan. And so we hope to be able to start in August the 16th again with a kind of the full schedule, but we'll see how things go. If they go as we hope and pray, August the 16th, we'll need a mountain of just an army of volunteers, but we'll, um, we're, we're looking forward to that. If you'd like to get connected to a life group in the meantime, it's good. You adults can easily do that. We'll help you stop at the Welcome Center or Connection Point. We'll help you find a class. We'll open your Bibles to John chapter 1. This chapter of the Bible is so critical to understanding God and who he is and what he wants from you and really through that deceit to understand who you are. And so I'm going to read uh, just the first five verses in a moment, but you're going to see a description of, of a person the Bible describes as the word. And it's referring, of course, of course, to Jesus. You can see that in the context as you read further. I'm just going to stop today at verse five, but if you read through, he's speaking of Jesus himself. And he's described here as the word. And the word that's used, the word that we translate word is the word, the Greek word logos. And logos is a rich word. It, it's about the meaning. It's about the expression. It's about revealing the truth. So if I use a word, an English word like apple, something pops into your mind. Uh, a red or a green or a yellow, I guess, depending on what kind you like round piece of fruit. That's what pops into your mind because that word means something for us. And the Bible is saying Jesus is for us the logos, the revelation, the meaning, 
how we understand who God is, how we know who he is and what he wants for us. But it's even more than that. The Greek philosophers used uh, this word as well. And they said there's got to be something more. There's got to be something bigger. And there's got to be something greater. And they used the word logos to describe this God that they could not understand. They didn't know who he was, but they said this something didn't come from nothing. There must be a someone who made this something. And they described this, this something greater, this something bigger, this something, something more, this ultimate fact, the ultimate fact. They used the word logos. And so the Bible is saying here, Jesus is the ultimate fact of the universe. He's the logos. He is God revealed to us. We see the meaning of who God is, the expression of God, the truth revealed to us in the Word. So read with me now, John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Well, I want you to note three principles from this passage that help us to understand who God is. And if you're watching online, you can write these notes. If you're, you have the church app, you can follow the notes. Or here, you've got the message notes. Write, those, write these three principles down. Maybe you want to add a few things as well. And the first principle I want you to note is this. The Word is divine. The word, describing Jesus as we see in context here, is divine. And this is talking to us about the nature of Jesus. The nature of Jesus. So it's dealing with this very important question, really central question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I'm telling you this has been the struggle, the struggle of life. Who is Jesus? Some say, well, he was just a a good man, or they say he was a, uh, perhaps some sort of teacher, or maybe some sort of prophet. And, but who, who is Jesus? Who does Jesus say he is? What does the Bible say about Jesus? Who is this man? When I was, uh, years ago, when I was a young man, I'm, I'm not saying I'm old or anything, but this was a long years ago when I was in my late teenage years, I read the uh, More Than a Carpenter book by Josh McDowell. When we had Josh McDowell here a few years ago, I just, man, I love that, to kind of make that connection. I love that book. It was so meaningful to me. Josh McDowell wrote this book called More Than a Carpenter, and it talks about who Jesus is and that he is more than just a carpenter who lived a long time ago, more than just a good man, more than just a teacher, more than just a prophet, that he's something more. And, he, and that, that book was very helpful for me, and he referenced in that book Another book by a guy named C.S. Lewis. I mean, I knew a little bit about C.S. Lewis from Chronicles of Narnia, but C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And so later I would read Mere Christianity. And Mere Christianity, and then echoed in More Than a Carpenter, used this description to help us to understand Jesus. So here's what C.S. Lewis said. He said, the one thing you can't say about Jesus is that he was just a good teacher. That's what perhaps some of you here, you want to say about Jesus. Well, he was a good teacher. And, and Lewis pointed out that Jesus makes great claims about himself. He said, I'm the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. He claimed to be the Savior of the world, the only means by which sinful man could ever reach 
eternity and heaven. Those are big claims. The Bible says here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. These are big claims. And so Lewis said he's one of three things. He is either a liar. He just lied to you. He knew he wasn't the way to the Father, but he just lied to you. By the way, you can read the Bible for yourself. You can read the book of John. You can read the words of Jesus. Is he a truth teller? Seems to me that he is the greatest truth teller there has ever been. I said the second option is that he is a, a lunatic, that he is a crazy man. You've known crazy people before. They think all kinds of things, and maybe this was just a, he was crazy. He really thought he was the way to the Father. He thought he was the means by which you could have eternal life. He, he really thought he was God incarnate, but he was just crazy. Crazy people say all kinds of things. You can read again the words of Jesus for yourself. He seems to me the most sane man who's ever lived. But if he's not a liar or a lunatic, the only option left is he is the Lord. Now, spoiler alert, I believe him to be the only means to the Father, the only Savior of the world, the one who can forgive sins, the one who can, who can change our hearts and lives and give us meaning and purpose, that He is the Lord Himself. And so let's note what the Bible says here in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking to us about theology. By the way, the word theology, the study of God, is theos, is God and logos is that word that we're using for word that the study of, and and this gives us some theology, some description of who God is. Let's note four things about God. It's saying here, first of all, that God is eternal. In the beginning was the word. That God has always been. Not that he. It's hard for us to get this because we we have a beginning place. We were conceived and we were born, and there's a start for us. But the Bible says God made us for eternity. In fact, the Bible says you will live forever, either separated from God in hell or in connection with God, in union with God in heaven, but that God created you for eternity. And this world, this life is not the end, that God made you for something more. But the Bible said about God himself, about Jesus himself, that not only does he have eternity future, but eternity past, that there is no beginning. Jesus didn't begin in Bethlehem. God is eternal. It's saying God is triune, T-R-I-U-N-E, triune. That is, he's, we use the word trinity to describe the nature of God. It's not a Bible term. It's a, it's a description of a Bible concept, that God is one God with three ways of being, and that is his very nature, that God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, one God, always Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That's his nature. And we've used things to, dis- to try to describe it. The shamrock was used by uh, St. Patrick, H2O, and it's three different forms can be used, pretzels, uh, eggs. N- nothing gets to it entirely because God is, a, is big. It's sort of like the philosophy test question that said, uh, describe the universe, give three examples. It's hard to describe the universe and impossible to give three examples, and that's how it is with God. He is bigger than we're able to fully describe but we can begin to try to understand who, more of who he is. And the Bible says about him that he's eternal and that he is by his nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Sometimes we use the word God to describe God the Father specifically. Sometimes we use the word God to describe uh, God in his totality, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But God is by his nature eternal and triune. And thirdly, God is relational. He's relational. 
He created us for a reason. He's relational with himself. He's relational with us. God made us for fellowship. In fact, God made you for fellowship. He made you for fellowship with him. God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you. I can't understand fully why God wants a relationship with us, but I know that he does. He created you for fellowship with him. He wants you to spend time with him. He wants you to know him through his word, to spend time with him in prayer. God made you for a relationship with him, and God made you for a relationship with others. God wants you to have a relationship with others. It's one of the reasons why this has been such an odd time, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's still difficult. You begin to see God made us for fellowship. So we'll go to great lengths for this fellowship. We'll do things like Zoom. I mean, some of you Zoom in your work all day long, and you'll do it to connect with a life group or something, and we'll, we see the need for that. When I saw James come in, I haven't seen James Heron, you know, for a long time, and I was, man, I, all I could do not to hug him because, I mean, God made us for relationships, and God is a relational God. And fourth note, God is personal. He reveals himself to us. He shows himself to us. He's called the logos because it is the meaning, the expression, the, re- the revelation of himself. The word, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So we can say it like this. When we say the word was God, it is saying Jesus is God. That we, we can say it that clearly, that directly, that boldly. Jesus is God that God has connected with us, and that the Word is divine. This is the nature of Jesus. Now let's go to a second principle. The Word is creative. And now we're going to talk about the work of Jesus. The Word is creative. Let's note the work of Jesus. Verse 2 says, He was with God in the beginning, speaking of God the Father. Sometimes that word describing the Father specifically, sometimes the whole nature of God. He was with God in the beginning. Verse 3, All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, Not one thing was created that has been created. That's everything. So we see here some of the work of Jesus. Let's note three things. Let's note Jesus' power. The Bible says he is able to create, that he can speak the world into existence, that he can create everything. In fact, the Bible says everything that's been created, there's nothing that's created that he didn't create. That's everything. That's the totality of creation, all that we can see all that's too big for us to understand, all that's too small for us to comprehend, Jesus could make every bit of this by his spoken word, that his power is that great. I am a nature show guy. I know some of you, aren't, you don't necessarily like those. I've, it's relaxing for me. I, I always say it's nothing more relaxing than a nature show, nothing more relaxing than a lion tearing into an antelope or something. I don't know why I find that so relaxing. It's just, but I love those nature shows. And I'm reminded in nature shows, Vicky's not so big on them, but she'll, she'll, you know, tolerate mine doing it sometimes. And in those nature shows, I'm reminded of the creation that God made, the diversity. I mean, it's unbelievable, the diversity of creation. By the way, God, just in, just in his creation of humans, created us with such diversity. We have different personalities. Not everyone is like you. Did you know that? And that's a good thing. I'm just telling you. That's a good thing. God made people with different personalities. And he did that for a reason. 
great diversity. Even, even recreated in salvation, when we come to know Christ as Savior, God gives us different roles and God gives us different spiritual gifts. God loves diversity. God made us, with, God made this world with beauty. He could have made everything gray, but he made all the colors that we can see and all the beauty that we see, a foretaste of what heaven itself would be like. He made it a world of discovery. Often in my nature shows, they'll say, we don't know why these animals do these things. We're always discovering more. There's always more to learn. And it reminds us of Jesus' power, that he is able by his spoken word to create this world, that he has the power to make it all. It shows us, secondly, Jesus' position. He's greater than creation. He's greater than creation. He's the one who created it, and he is greater than all of it. We don't worship the creation. We appreciate creation. We appreciate the mountains and the trees, but we don't worship the mountains and the trees. Only the Lord is worthy of our worship. Only he is worthy of our worship. We appreciate the, the, the people that God has placed into our lives, but we don't worship the people in our lives. Only the Lord is worthy of our worship, and we're reminded of his position. And then it shows us Jesus' purpose. He chose to create because he's a creative God. All things were created through him. All things were created through him. He chose to create. All of us have some creative ability. Some are you know, more evident than others. Some are more attuned to the creative side than others. I'm not so high on that list, but, uh, but Vicky, because I'll watch animal shows, uh, she'll watch animal shows with me. I'll watch uh, remodeling shows with her sometimes. And, and there are some shows where you'll have some, some guy, they'll show him a house and it's just an old, ugly, dilapidated house. And I'll say, don't buy that house. That is terrible looking. And, but, but, but the designer can see things I can't see. And they'll say, you know, here's what I'll do. I'm going to move this wall out. I'm going to put this porch on. I'm going to change these things. And they can see it. Sometimes they'll let me in on that a little bit. And they'll maybe draw a picture. Or they'll show some computer graphics. And we'll, I'll see a little of it. And they'll show the before and after pictures. And you'll see how they change things. And they could see that before it happened. I don't do that so well. I think Vicky's got a little of that talent. I think she's a little disappointed that I don't have the fixing skill. I mean, I can do the demolition part, but the fixing it back up, I just, that's the part I can't do. And God made, God is a creative God who is able to speak this world into existence, who's able to make people like us for a purpose. And think of this, when Jesus created us, he knew these things. He created us knowing that sin would come into our world, that our ancestors, Adam and Eve, and everyone following would sin against God. He created us knowing that that sin would lead to condemnation, that we would rightly be under the judgment of God. He created us knowing that that sin that would lead to judgment and condemnation would require the incarnation, and that Jesus would take on God. The Word was God. God would break into this world. Jesus would take on human form and flesh and be born in that little stable in, in Bethlehem. He was not created in Bethlehem. He created the rocks upon which Bethlehem was built, but he would break into this world in Bethlehem. And he created us knowing that would lead ultimately to a cross where he would die because he had lived the life that we couldn't live, the sinless life. He was worthy to die the death that we deserve. And, 
and he would take our place on that cross and he would pay the penalty for sins, take it upon himself and die in our place. And he created us knowing that would lead to a resurrection where he would conquer sin and death and hell. And that one day he would ascend back to the Father where he would make intercession for us. And he created us knowing that there would come this long period of preparation. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you unto myself. And he created us knowing all of these things would happen ultimately with a culmination when all would be set right, when all that was broken would be put back together again. That is the work of Jesus, this creative God who created us for a reason and for a purpose. The Word is divine and the Word is creative. And thirdly, would you note, the Word is enlightening. The Word is enlightening. And notice here the power of Jesus. This speaks to the power of Jesus. And it tells us three things. It tells us Jesus gives life. Verse 4 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus is a life giver. He gives physical life. He created us in his image. He made you and created you, and he created us in the image of God. People are created in the image of God. That's why we have value and meaning and purpose. That's why we value life. Unborn life matters because it's created in the image of God. Your life matters. Every life is something important to God and precious in his sight because he created us with great potential for good. Our lives are marred by sin, but we're created in the image of God with great potential. He gives not only physical life, but he gives eternal life. The Lord says, God made you for something more than this world, and God wants you to have life, eternal life. And this world is just a moment, just a moment in comparison to eternity, and one day we'll stand before him. And if you will repent of your sins and place your faith in Christ, the Bible says God will adopt you into his family, and he will give you spiritual life. He will give you eternal life and a home in heaven. And there's something in our lives in this world that's never quite content. We're longing for something greater and something more. God made us for something more than just the few short years we have in this world. God made us for something bigger, something greater, and something more lasting. You can have eternal life. You can give your life to Christ even this day and experience Christ as your Savior and trust Him and find forgiveness in Christ. But He also gives abundant life. And if you know Christ as Savior, uh, God wants you not to waste these moments in this world. God wants you to use these moments well and to live your life well, to fill His purposes and to find His peace and His strength and His guidance. And the abundant life can be yours. It's not an easy life to go God's way. It's not always a popular life to go God's way, but it is an abundant life, and it's the life God wants you to have in this world. He wants to use someone exactly like you to make a difference in this world for eternity. He wants to use someone exactly like you to make a difference in this world for eternity. And God gives life. Second, notice Jesus gives light. The Bible says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, the Bible says. Jesus gives light, the means by which we can see in this dark world, the means by which we can know the truth. Jesus wants you to know the truth. The truth is what sets us free. He wants us to see reality. Our world is dark. Many people in our world have blinded themselves to the truth. They're unaware of God's purpose and plan. Live life as though they are all that matters or 
as though there is no God. Jesus gives light to this dark world, and he wants you to have light to know the right path to follow, the right direction to take. And note as well, Jesus overcomes darkness. Verse 5 says that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. The Bible says uh, Jesus wins. And in this dark world, it's dark because of the sin in it. It's a broken world. It's a fallen world. And in this dark world, Jesus wants you to have light that overcomes it. And the Bible tells us Jesus overcomes darkness. And you may say, well, it doesn't seem much like Jesus is overcoming darkness. I don't know if you're aware, Pastor Doug, but there are lots of problems in this world right now. It doesn't seem like Jesus is overcoming the darkness. How come all of these problems? Why so many struggles? I am not unaware of the darkness of our world. And the Bible does not hide from us the truth that this world is dark. It's broken by sin. Just as our own lives are broken by sin, the damage of sin is that great. And so we live in a fallen world, a dark world. I was working on uh, this message a few days ago in, my, uh, in the study in my house. And I was writing some things on paper. And I couldn't see well because of a shadow on the paper caused by my gigantic head. I don't know why my head is as big as it is. It just is. God made me with a big head. I, I ought to be smarter than I am, but my head was blocking. The light was above me on a ceiling fan, and, that, and, I was, and there was a shadow, and I couldn't see the paper well. And so I left my study and went into another part of the room, and there was a, um, a lamp that we don't use very often, and I, I grabbed the lamp. I picked up the lamp, and I brought it into the study, and I plugged it in, and I turned on the lights, and the shadows dispelled. The closer I get to Jesus, the more the shadows of this world, of this world are dispelled. The closer I get to him, the more I see the light that dispels the darkness of our world. And one day, all will be set right. One day, there'll be a culmination that comes because of all the work the Word has done in creating us and overcoming this sin that has marred the world and the culmination of His return and His plan for eternity itself. And the shadows will be dispelled and Jesus will fully have overcome all the darkness of our world. One day that will come and one day you will stand before God to give account of your life. This life given to you by the Word, this life that the Lord Jesus has provided for you for a purpose, and all will be set right, and the brokenness healed by the only one who can heal. Only the Creator can bring the healing we need. Come to the Word. Only Jesus can show you the ultimate fact of the universe and reveal God fully to us.
He is the meaning, the expression, the truth revealed. He is the light and the life that overcomes darkness. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? If you're watching online, we just bow right where you are. I want to ask you to trust Christ as Savior. If you've not ever been saved, would you give your life to Christ today? The Word who created you for a reason came into this world because of the sin of our lives. He lived the life we couldn't live, that perfect life. Died the death we deserve in our place. Rose from the grave by the miracle that we couldn't perform. And if you will repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ, he'll save you. Right where you are today, you can give your life to Christ and be saved. Ask him to save you. Give your life to him today. He'll save you. Believer, if Jesus is who he says he is, if he is Lord, then I want to ask you not to waste this precious life God has given to you. Would you live your life in a way that counts for his glory? Would you say, God, I want the life that you made me to live. I want, you're the only one who can bring the healing to my broken life. You're the only one who can put it all back together again. But you made me for a purpose, and I want to live the abundant life that you have for me. I want to follow your way, not the world's way. I want your light, not the darkness of the world. I want your healing, your peace, your direction, your purpose in my life. And God will bless that prayer. God will answer that prayer in your life. Father, I want to thank you for the truth of your word. I want to thank you that you sent the word to us, the means by which we can see the truth, the life and the light that we so desperately need. I thank you for the word and that through the Lord Jesus, we can have life and have it abundantly. So Lord, would you do a work in our lives to remind us of the truth, to show us what really counts and what really matters? We thank you for this ultimate fact of the universe, this truth that is ours, that you somehow love us despite our brokenness, that you can set all things right ultimately. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.